let's read from John chapter 3. We're reading from 1 through to 16. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it has come from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, you are the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I have, to if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe... How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's just bow together in prayer. We come, our Father, to, to meet with you. We bring our worship. We... We tell of your greatness and your majesty, but we come as needy people. And we remember the words of Peter to Jesus when, when Peter said, Lord, to whom else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe that you are the Son of God. And we, we come today not only to worship, but to be fed by you. So we pray that we'll hear beyond the voice of a, of, of a human being and we'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks through the words of Jesus to us today. We wait upon you. Help us to receive and then to act upon what we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story of, of, of a man named John who was a staff worker with athletes in action. After attending a conference at a big hotel complex, 
the conference on the importance of listening and asking good questions, he decided after the conference that he'd relax down by the hotel pool. He'd spend some time there. While he was there too, uh, teenage girls came to the pool. One of them, Brittany, spoke, about, spoke to her friend about a wicker gathering that she was uh, planning on attending. John said, normally, when I heard that, I would try to counter the girls' ideas. But I'd just been to a conference on listening, so I decided to listen. And after a time of listening, he finally said, you, you sound really excited about this. And that's all that she needed to launch into a five-minute explanation of why she was so attracted to this uh, neo-pagan ritual. And the bottom line was that she had been a neglected child. She'd been an abused child. She had been a child who had been ignored. But the Wicca community had accepted her. And then she said something like this. She said, I've been through so much garbage, I'll probably be in therapy for the rest of my life. And there was a pause. And then John said, so it's hard for you to imagine a future where you'll be freed from all the pain that you've been through. And he said, with tears forming in her eyes and her voice breaking, she said, sometimes, sometimes I just wish I could be born all over again. I really would like to start from scratch. I wonder this morning if you've ever heard anyone say anything like that. I wonder if that has been or is the cry of your heart today. In this conversation we read from John chapter 3, we find that it's not only possible to be born and start all over again, but Jesus spoke so compellingly that in all the red-letter words that we read in the New Testament, these are of pivotal importance. Jesus said the new birth is the imperative of life. It is the absolute necessity of life. Every day we are told what we must do. The society we live in tells us what we need, what we must do. But I want to tell you this morning that a lot of what you're told you must do, you don't have to do. You don't have to earn lots of money to live in this world. You don't have to get a higher education. You don't have to own a house. You don't have to have a second car. You don't even have to get married. But the one must in life is this. You must be born again. When I was thinking about what I'm going to share this morning, uh, the office said to me, well, what's your reading for today? And I said, well, I'm not sure. But I kept on coming back to John 3. John 3 and, and I thought, well, why am I going to preach? Why, why am I preaching on John 3? I want to tell you two reasons I'm, I'm sharing from this passage of Scripture this morning. 
right throughout this city this morning, right throughout this country today, there are sitting in churches, like some of us are sitting here this morning, there's a percentage of people who have no certainty whatsoever that they've been born again. But the other reason I am sharing with you this morning is this, that Jesus not only said, you must be born again, the scriptures teach us that we need to live born again. Not only be born again, but live born again. You know, Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he says in chapter 2, he says, look, he says, don't only obey when I'm present. But I want you to do even more. I want you to obey more so while I'm absent. And I want you to live out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And what he was saying there was this. He was saying, if you've been born again, then live it out. Live it out. Friends, knowing the cliches, the Christian cliches, learning the habits and the practices of the church is not enough. Everything that the church does, everything that you and I do, it flows from what's in here. And, and, and if it doesn't come from being born again or living born again, then it's not about God. It's not about the kingdom of God. It's about you. It's about you and me and our kingdom building. And it's about our reputation. As the darkness fell that night, as the shadowy, shadowy shapes shifted with the movement of the wind, Nicodemus came to Jesus. And Jesus revealed to him some stuff that he'd never even heard about. He'd never even thought was possible. That night, Jesus told him that all he'd ever longed for, the life that he always wanted, the eternity that he'd been trying to buy at the counter of morality, which can't be bought at that counter, all that he'd ever wanted must begin now. And this morning, I just want to share, I guess, basically two things with you. And the first thing I want to share with you this morning is this. That in this scripture here, we find out the absolute limitation of human morality. We find the, the absolute limitation of religion. We find the absolute limitation of human knowledge, wisdom and understanding. Nicodemus's I don't know if that's the right way to say Nicodemus. When you put a, it's hard to put an S on the end of an S, isn't it? You've got to put an apostrophe after the S. And I don't think you say Nicodemus's, but anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Nicodemus, thank you. We have a theologian in our midst. Thank you. You've even got a clap here this morning. His initial words, his initial words were confident enough. He said, Rabbi, now that's a good place to start, Rabbi. It was full of respect. But I want to tell you, from that point on, his, uh, his conversation went down, down, down. He said, Rick, Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know 
that you are a teacher from God. For no one else could do the signs that you were doing unless they were from God. And being a preacher, I don't think he'd finished his sentence. But Jesus jumped in and cut him off. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Truly, truly, no one can be born of the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Have you ever been at perhaps the dinner table and family are around and maybe there's some friends and you're having... You're having a, you're, you're, there's a really good conversation going and everyone's participating and everybody's contributing and maybe there's a bit of banter and maybe even some disagreement but it's all, it's all in good, good heart and, and, and the conversation is going somewhere and then all of a sudden out of nowhere someone says something that is totally unrelated to the conversation have you been there in that situation? in our place very often I'm the one who hasn't been listening well and I throw something in and everybody stops it. Where does that come from? Nicodemus said to Jesus, he said, look, we know you're a teacher. You've come from God because no one else could do the signs that, that you're doing unless they were from God. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. You can't, you can't see the kingdom of God. Did Jesus, did Jesus just change the subject? I, I, I've struggled with this for years. What, why? And then I read one of my favorite authors and he said he'd struggled with it for a long time and then he, he shared a thought and I thought, that's it. Nicodemus said, you're a teacher. And Jesus jumped in and Nicodemus hardly got another word in. In effect, Nicodemus was saying, I know why you've come. You've, came to, you've come to teach. You've come to do signs and wonders and miracles. And Jesus said, I didn't come to teach. I came to save. You don't need more teaching. You need a new life. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't come and teach. He, he was the greatest teacher who ever lived. But that was not the priority. That was not the, the foremost reason Jesus came. He didn't come to preach a gospel he came that there might be a gospel to preach. Nicodemus was flabbergasted. In effect, he was saying to, to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you've got it wrong. I came to save you. You don't need more teaching. You're not even keeping up with the teaching you have. There was a large church, a large city church, and they, they planted three churches in the suburbs. And every year, the churches in the suburbs would come to that city church and they'd have a service together. And that service was always a communion service. And on one of those occasions as they were sharing in the service, in the communion, something very significant took place, something very interesting took place. It was a church where when communion was shared, people came to the front and they, the communion was distributed at the front. And, and on this particular day, two men stood side by side. One man was very well known. He was distinguished. 
He was well-dressed, well-kept. He was a judge in that community. He was known throughout the city. Standing right next to him was another man. He, he, he wasn't badly dressed, but he, he just wasn't dressed up to or well-known. And through this whole time at the front, it appeared that neither the men knew each other. They, they just concentrated what was taking place. And then after the service, <clears throat> as people were leaving this uh, city church, that judge and the pastor of the church were walking to the car park together uh, to go to their cars. And the judge said to the pastor, he said, did you, did you notice who stood beside me at communion this morning? And the pastor said, yes, he said, I did. He said, um, he's only just recently become a Christian. The judge said, did you under, do, you, do, do you know that some years ago he came before me having committed a crime and I was the sentencing judge? And the pastor said, yes, I did know that. And uh, the judge said to the pastor, he said, what a wonder of grace. What a wonder of grace. And the pastor said, yes, it is. He, he couldn't have gone lower. God has done a wonderful thing in his life. He's been born again. And the judge said, no, no. He said, I wasn't speaking of him. I was speaking of the work of grace in my life. He said he'd gone so low, there was nowhere else he could go. He had to only go up. He said, I was born into a very well-to-do family. I went to the best schools. I was sent to the best schools in this country. I, I completed my law degree with honours. I advanced in my, in my chosen occupation. And before long, I was approached to to be one of the judges in the judiciary, the system. He said, I was taught to be a gentleman. I, I was taught to live decently and honorably and nobly. He said, it took a greater work of grace to touch my heart than to touch his heart. My friends, I could understand if this conversation in John chapter 3 had been with the messed up woman of John chapter 4, who had lived with five men, and the man that she was now living with wasn't her husband. I could understand the conversation in that setting. Woman, you need to be born again. You need a new start. I could understand this conversation if it had been with uh, Zacchaeus in Luke 19, this man who had rotted the system. He needed changing. He needed a new heart. But Nicodemus was an outstandingly good man, a leader of society, a model of religion and, and, and moral devotion and excellence, the foremost teacher in all of Israel. And we naturally, we naturally think that those who've messed up their lives are the ones who need the new start. But Jesus is saying this to the foremost theologian of the country. You must be born again. 
This Pharisee, like a lot of good people, like a lot of upright people today, think that one birth of the right kind is enough. It's not. I can remember the reaction of a woman 38 years ago. It's amazing how you remember the reactions of people, the angry reactions of people. She was angry towards me 38 years ago at an annual service for lawn bowlers in Adelaide. These were no ordinary lawn bowlers. These were no suburban lawn bowlers. These were the city lawn bowlers. Huffing and puffing, so angry her face was glowing like a Christmas red Christmas bauble. She said to me, who do you think you're talking to? And I hadn't even preached. (laughs) It was another bloke. But the message of Christ was not good news to her, it was bad news. The message of the new birth was offensive to her pride, her self-image, her self-righteousness, her, her morality, and probably years of church attendance. Can I tell you that the, that the new birth is offensive to those who live their lives above the level of decency? Because the new birth says that all the good accounts for nothing. Did you hear what I said? All the good that we do, all the righteousness that we live, all the the points that we score count for nothing. You see, no matter who you are, how good you are, how nat- our natural life is limited and inadequate for the kingdom of God. No matter how you sharpen, polish and beautify it, all external judgments can't fix our broken hearts, our messed up hearts, our separation from God. You know, the human heart is defective. You and You and I are by nature biased to doing our own thing. We're not biased towards doing God's thing. You can educate it, medicate it, sophisticate it, and for periods of time it will be acceptable to others. But Jesus said what is born of the flesh is flesh. It's flesh. And Paul said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Abraham Kuyper was a uh, Dutch theologian. He was, between 1901 and 1905, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. He said this on one occasion. He said, there are two kinds of beauty. There is a beauty which God gives at birth, which withers as a flower. There is a beauty. There is a physical beauty. Just look at a baby. There's a, there's a beauty all around us. Look at a flower when, it, when, when the bud just blooms. But what is of the flesh with us? And then he went on and said this, and there is a beauty which God grants when by his grace people are born again. The, that kind of beauty never vanishes but blooms eternally. 
Human nature, our fallen nature, the human heart, the fallen heart cannot be improved, reformed or repaired so that it can qualify for the kingdom of God. You know, the Jews of Jesus' day, and I don't know, but maybe even the Jews of today, anticipate or anticipated the healing, the renewal, the regeneration, the rebirth of our sinful, broken world to its original condition when the Messiah set up his condition at the end of the age. And Jesus makes sort of a, 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 a passing comment about this when he's talking to the disciples. It's recorded in, in Matthew 19. He's talking to them about who can, who can, uh, who can be saved and they're saying, look, we've left everything and we're following you. And, and, and it's sort of a, a, a glancing statement. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. In the age when all things are renewed. And he uses a word there. And it's only found once more in the scriptures. It's in uh, Titus 3.5. And, and the word is palagenesia. And it means, it means to be reborn. To be reborn. And that night Jesus said to Nicodemus, any thought that you have of participating in the future palagenesia, in the future renewal of, of the whole of creation, if you've, if you've got any thought of that whatsoever, being part of that in the future, it's got to start now. It's got to start now. In fact, Jesus said to him, you won't see it. You won't be part of that future renewal until the, under the reign of the Messiah unless you have an individual renewal, a spiritual rebirth. With one statement after another, Jesus broke away the outward, uh, the outward shell of his morality, the outward shell of his religion. All that Nicodemus understood and was comfortable with was broken away. And Jesus insisted to Nicodemus, and he says it to you and to me this morning, you must be born by the power of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God plants God's life in you, spiritual life in you. And you come under the control of God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Paul said something similar not the exact same words, but in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said, if any man is in Christ or any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter refers to it. He says that we become partakers of the divine nature. God plants his life in us by the incoming in of the Holy Spirit into us. And we are born again. And Nicodemus fumbled with his thoughts and his words. And Jesus used these illustrations and these images which exposed the limitations of human endeavor and human religion. And yet Nicodemus stayed in that conversation. He kept on asking. He kept on asking. And so Jesus actually uses the, the very images, the metaphors that confused him initially. He uses them 
to bring clarity to what the new birth is about and what it means to see and then to enter the kingdom of God. Very quickly, I'm just going to run through some of these images. Let me mention some of them. He uses the word born again. I'm going to look at the word born in a few minutes time. I just want to look at the word again. The word again comes from a word which is anathen. And it can be translated a number number of ways. Uh, It can be translated again, once more, repeating what has already happened. And that's that's what Nicodemus latched on to. He latched onto the idea that that what happened when I was born has got to happen again, so I've got to go back into my mother's womb. And he said, well, that's impossible. But but this word, anathen, can also be translated of first priority. It can be translated what is from heaven or what is from above. And clearly, Jesus is talking about the new birth... The regeneration as a birth from above by the Spirit of God. Jesus is saying it's something that God does. And then Jesus used the illustration of water and the Spirit to prod Nicodemus's uh, memory. Because in the Old Testament, there are references to the washing of water and the coming of the Spirit. And a new heart. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel tells us that, that there's a time coming when God will wash us of our uncleanness. He will wash away our idolatry. He will take the heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And, and the Spirit of God will come and He will not only be with us, but He will be poured into us. But when Jesus spoke about, uh, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, he was also saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, can't you remember a few weeks or perhaps some months ago, there was a bloke walking around here and he was putting people in the water under, in, in the Jordan. And, and you Pharisees, you went out to, to see what was going on. His name was John. And John had said, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but there is one who is coming who is mightier than I am, and I'm not fit even to to do up his shoelaces or undo his shoelaces. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus used the, the, the image of the wind. He said, the wind blows and you don't know where it comes from or where it's, it's going. And so it is with those who are, who are born of the Spirit. And what he was saying was this. He was saying that the work of the Spirit, the, the new birth is mysterious. You can't see it necessarily. You can't control it. Yet it's influence. The influence is there. It's definitely there because change comes With the movement of the spirit, the movement of the wind. And poor old Nicodemus is saying, but 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 he's saying, but how does it work? How does it work for me? Friends, here's the bottom line of all that, that that all these images are teaching. You can't make 
yourself a Christian. You can make yourself a Buddhist. You can make yourself a Muslim. You can make yourself an atheist. All you've got to do is get hold of the leader's teaching and, and follow that. But you don't make yourself a Christian by following the teaching of Jesus, by, by using the Bible as a textbook. In my first ministry, there was a young man who started coming to church. He worked for BHP. His boss was one of the leaders in our church. Uh, Ted, the boss, the, the person who came to our church, let his staff know that if they ever wanted to, he always had a, a, a New Testament in his top drawer and they could go in and get it if they ever wanted to. And this guy would go into the boss's uh, uh, office and, and get the New Testament and he would read it because Marty had a real problem in his life. He, was, he, he, he had a problem with real anger and he didn't like it. And so he started to read the Bible and he was reading these things and he said, right, I'm going to do that. And he'd go all right for a couple of hours and then boom, blow it. He was using it as a textbook. You can't make yourself a Christian. You become a Christian. To become a Christian, you must be born again. You don't make yourself born again. It's something that happens to you. And so I come to the word born. The word born there, every time it's used is commanded, it's a verb, commanded, but it's in what we call, where are all the English teachers? I know there's an English teacher over there. It's in what is called the passive voice. The passive voice means it's something that happens to you. From outside, it happens to you. I read this from this favourite author. His name's Timothy Keller. Let me read to you what uh, he said about this birth. He said, think about it. Who brings about a birth? The baby? You don't go and get born. Birth happens to you. It's all the mother. The baby is born into this world through the mother's labour. The baby is born into the world through the mother's pain. Someone else suffers somebody else is in anguish someone else is bleeding and he goes on and he says in those days there were lots of little boys and girls who grew up without a mum the Aramaic word is imah because the mum had died giving birth I want to tell you this morning that in John chapter 16, let me just flip over to John chapter 16. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he, and he says to them, he said that the, the, the time is coming and he said, and, and you'll be very sad because I'm going away. But then in a little while, you'll be full of joy because I'll have come back. And, and they said, what's he talking about going away and be sad? We'll be sad and, and when he comes back, we'll be, we'll be happy and we'll be joyful. And, and he said, look, he said, I know what you're talking about. He said, when a mother, when her hour has come and she goes into labor, she gives birth. And after the birth, she's full of joy. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is that mother. 
and through his anguish and his pain and his blood and his dying, we are born again. And, and, and Nicodemus is saying, well, how does it work for me? I, if I've got nothing to do with all of this, how do I get it? And Jesus ties the new birth to his death. Because birth and his death are tied together. Because the next thing he says is, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may not perish. Jesus, through his death, made it possible for you and for me to be born again. Now, I can see some, some faces out there, and I'm not sure whether you're really going with me or not. If, if, if you're not understanding what I'm saying, say, go, just do that. If you do, so do that. Right, that's okay. There was no one there just sort of sitting there, so that's okay. In Numbers 21, and I've got to watch the time. In Numbers 21, which is in the Old Testament, it's the time of the Exodus, the people are in the wilderness. It says that the people grumbled against God. They rebelled against God and Moses. Those people had become toxic. Their lives were full of venom and poison. And God sent snakes into the camp and people were bitten. And the snake's venom attacks the nervous system and the respiratory system. And, 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 and people were going into, into sort of like a, a shock. And they, they were down in, on, on, their, on their faces and they started to cry out, Moses, take our problem to the Lord. We, we're sorry. And God said to Moses, he said, Fix a pole in the center of the camp and put a serpent on it. And whoever looks to the serpent will live. And those who were desperate enough looked. They didn't have to crawl. There was no, no effort involved. All you had to do was to look and believe that that was the cure. There was the antidote. And Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will take all your toxic pride, your rebellion, your greed and your impurity. I will take the venom and the poison of your sin that is, that is destroying you. And if you will look to me, you will receive the spirit and you will receive life. You will come into that place where you can be and you will be born again. And Nicodemus got it. And do you know how I know he got it? Because he's mentioned twice more in the book of John. In chapter 7, he's the Pharisee that sticks up for Jesus. In chapter 19, he's the other fella that goes and gets the body of Jesus, which was the role of women in those days. That was their culture. Women took the dead bodies. They were the one that washed the bodies. But two men on that occasion... Joseph and Nicodemus came out. They declared themselves where their allegiance was. The, he, he saw Jesus die. He knew that he was the serpent. Jesus was the serpent. He was the curse. Lifted up in the wilderness. 
And if people will look to him, they're in that place where the Spirit of God can come in. We're coming to a time of communion. And in a few moments, the emblems of the bread and cup will be distributed to you. And before that takes place, I just need to say a couple more things. There are some of us here this morning who've been coming to the services and we've been coming regularly. And maybe you come because, uh, well, the, the friendship's good, the fellowship's good, it's a social thing. The coffee's okay. You like to have a good conversation. But you're not born again. You're not born again. You never come into, you've never come into the place where you realize how desperate a situation you're in. Until we look to Jesus... And the Spirit of God comes into us. We are in, in a desperate place. Because the venom and the poison of our sin is destroying our lives and it will destroy us unto all eternity. Some of you have heard this many times, but you just don't realize how desperate you, you really are and you, you haven't acted upon what God is saying to you. This morning as the, as the communion is distributed, I want to suggest something to you. As the plate comes by, don't take the bread and cup. Don't receive it. Rather receive Jesus. Don't take the bread and cup. Receive Jesus. Look to the cross. Our sin was put on him. Scripture says, He that knew no sin became sin. He bore in his body our sin. He became the serpent on the cross. He lost everything that you and I could have everything. This morning as the communion is distributed, I'm going to suggest to you, don't take the bread and the cup, but rather receive him. Now, for many others of us here this morning, I want to say this. As the communion is, is distributed this morning, you've been born again, but are you living born again? Are you living born again? Is there evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? You know, we, we see the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine aspects to it. It starts with love and joy and peace, and so it goes through. I want to tell you that they are not natural qualities. They are the qualities of God, the qualities of Christ that are evident in the most adverse circumstances. So the love that the Spirit brings is a love that is there for the unlovely. The joy that is there is when you are in the most abysmal sad situation that's the joy that's that's promised the peace is when there is no peace there's just conflict and hostility but you can know peace is that is that part of 
who you've become or you're becoming? Are you living out the being born again? And maybe the reasons why you're not being living out the being born again is that you're you're still looking to Jesus as the teacher. You're trying to live up to the example of Jesus and you can't do it. No one can live up to the way he lived. If you try to live like Jesus lived, you try to live up to his standard, it'll crush you. Just live in the acceptance that he gives, in the love that he gives. Because the last verse says, for God so loved the world. He loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish. But that have eternal life. That's how you and I are loved. And as we face each day, we can live out that new birth because we're loved. And the motivation is that we're loved. So we love him in return. I'm going to bow in prayer and then our helpers are going to come and distribute communion. Let's pray. We thank you, Father in heaven, for your amazing love to us. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you that while we were enemies, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Help us not to think of those words as in some abstract way, but to realize that, that we... We were and are the sinner. We were and at times we still are the enemy. But you show your love. You pour your love onto us. You give us your love. And we now can love because you first loved us. I'm going to pray for any here this morning who have never been born again, who have never looked to the cross, to the mother who shed his blood and was in anguish and pain that we might be born. I pray that those people this morning will look to you, Lord Jesus, and will receive you. And may each one of us here today, may we live out the life that you've given us through your Son and by your Spirit. So bless the bread and the cup as it's distributed. We invite you to, to be part of this time with us. Help us to go beyond the ritual and enter into the meeting with you. In Jesus' name.